You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. 1935, the Lions win the NFL championship. The Detroit Tigers take the World Series. The Red Wings bring home Lord Stanley's Cup. Joe Lewis begins his rise to world domination. This transforms the Motor City into Detroit City of Champions. All right, Detroit City of Champions, the podcast. I'm Jamie Flanagan. Charles Avison. That cat over there wrote a trilogy of books about the 1935 year in Detroit. Major, major championships. Just everybody. Everybody winning everything. It's got it all. It was 33 nuts. championships in one season. So we've been talking about the Tigers. We were talking about the, the Lions in last week. Really talk about Potsy and how uh, he really just made the Lions what they were. Yeah, this was a uh, – uh, Potsy is the probably the forgotten um, – the, one of the greatest, one of the great, most important luminaries in the history of Detroit sports, and he is virtually unknown to this day. But we, we were talking about uh, the big three, right? So the the Tigers, the Lions, and then the other major sports team in the city at the time. Of course, were the Red Wings, sure. The Detroit Red Wings. And we have a very special guest with us today. I was wondering when you're going to announce him. He's sitting here. Yeah, yeah. Poor guy's I wondering when he's uh, going to get on the show. Like, hey, hey, fellas. We right pretty- here. Um, but yeah, so it's a very special guest with us today. Eight eight seasons or so with the Wings, yep. another handful of seasons with a, a couple other teams uh, throughout the league. Uh, Stanley Cup under his belt, just just for fun, uh, hanging out with us today to enjoy this story as we move talk about the Lions, the Red Wings, and the fans. Drew Miller, welcome to uh, Detroit City of Champions. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be here. It's uh, seems like an amazing story, and I know firsthand that Detroit fans are awesome. So it might have been forgotten, but I'm sure they had a blast back in 1935 in those years. Oh, they did. Oh, they yeah. absolutely did. <laughs> well, and that's kind of the point. It's because I, I know nothing about nothing about nothing about sports. You're learning, though, James. <laughs> we're, we're, you're picking a few things up here and there, man. I, 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 yeah. So it's like, but I love, I love history. And, and, and I, I love stories and, and it just, and Charles is just, I, I met him at a street fair. Uh, he was like selling his book and he, he's, he's like, he's like, pitching his story and I'm like this is amazing and yeah. then and I was thinking I'm like man he'd be a good radio talk host because this was god 10 years ago you know podcasts weren't really huge yet and then we started doing the podcast and I'm like I know a cat I want to tell that story I want to learn I want to learn about this uh and sure enough man, we've been sitting down he's been telling me the stories and it's, it's just been amazing where did we leave off last week Charles so um, I'll catch Drew Drew up to speed a little bit, you know, then the story to get, you know, to get the thing rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's I say 33 championships in one year. But um, but, the you know, the sort of the, the genesis of the story, um, we haven't actually even got into the Joe Lewis section yet. But uh, it, it begins in 1934 with uh, with the rise of Joe Lewis. But and then it, it most especially begins in 1934 with the Detroit Tigers, the Detroit Tigers prior to 1934. Um, where, where nobody's, I mean, you're the, the, the Detroit's in the middle of the great depression and, uh, the city, the, the, the tigers had the worst attendance in 1933 that they'd had since 1907. So the, so the team is like in rough shape. Like, yeah. I mean, the, the, the city's in rough shape. Um, the team, nobody wants to go watch the tigers because they're, uh, you know, they're, nobody wants to be reminded on a day-to-day basis of their the sad sack situation of the city <laughs> itself. And so, and so, uh, the, the owner of the Tigers name, his name is Frank Navin. He goes out and everybody was counseling him saying, Frank, you need to sell the team. 
because this is a guy that is, he's got heart conditions. He's owned the team for 35 years. He's built this team and, um, it's the, the you know, it's, it's killing him. I mean, it's, it's the stress is killing him. He got cleaned out by the, the stock market crash and everything is just, um, you know, bad. And so every, all of his friends are telling him, Frank, you got to get out of this, sell it to somebody, move on, take the money, retire, be done with it. And rather than retire, rather than sell the team, Frank Navin comes out and, um, and he puts everything he's got in the biggest gambles of life. He goes out and signs Mickey Cochran, a Hall of Fame catcher, even at that moment in his career. Goes out and signs Mickey Cochran, brings him to the Tiger. He plays, uh, he's a catcher and a uh, player manager. So he's a player manager. He's a catcher manager. Mm-hmm. And so Mickey comes in and they ask Mickey in spring training, hey, Mickey, how do you think your team's going to do? Keep in mind, this is a team that finished in fifth place five consecutive years. They're a hor- horrible team and they, they're either too young or too old. Mickey comes in, they say, Hey, Mickey, how are you going to do this year? Uh, you know, your standard, you know, sport, which I'm sure you've had, like, how, how do you, how do you do in this game? Yeah. Like, well, we tried our best, you know, we did the best we could, you yeah, know, the yeah, yeah, formulaic, yeah. The, the, the reporters are waiting for a formulaic answer going, yeah. well, we're going to try really hard this year. And Mickey's like, no, we're going to the world series. And, wow. and yeah, and so they're like they're like pointing to the fence. He's yeah, like, like Mickey's going. like, no, yeah, we're yeah. and this is reported by three different reporters saying that Mickey called this. And so Mickey says this, and in 1934 they go to the World Series. Okay, and along the way in 1934 the the city goes insane for the Tigers as they do. You know, I mean the they, the city goes insane for the Tigers. There's this whole new renaissance in Detroit enthusiasm, and um and then they get all the way to the seventh game of the World Series and they lose. Mm. Oh. And they lose. It's just absolutely yeah. heartbreaking fashion. They couldn't win because then they wouldn't have the story. Eight thirty-five. Exactly. You're right. It's the primer. It's the primer for the 1935 for sure. season. Yeah. And so, um, and then like you know, so and then also in 1934, and this is kind of leading up into where we left off last week. Also in 1934, or actually I'll back up a little bit. 1933, um, there was this tremendously, you know, the NFL is somewhat in its infancy. It was founded in 1920, 1921. And, um, and, uh, so the game is, you know, it's been, it's been around for a decade or a little bit longer. And, um, but it's nowhere near like it is today. It's mm-hmm. a, I mean, really, it's a, it's a secondary or even third sport. College was way bigger. College was yeah. way bigger, yeah. infinitely bigger. But, um, but anyways, there was an incredible. Or so I'm told. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, you know what? You got I'm it, learning, Jamie. Learning. Yeah. So anyway, so in nineteen, so there was a, there was this great team in Portsmouth, Ohio, called the Spartans, Portsmouth Spartans, and it was built by a man named Potsy Clark. This it was like this. Um, it was Portsmouth is a very poor town, um, especially in comparison to like New York and Boston and such like this. And so, so Potsy had to build, Potsy was the, the, the coach and general manager of the team. And so he had to use basically talent to identify players. And so he did. And he, in his very first year, he brought in 19 new players for his, for his Portsmouth team when he first got to there in 1931. And right out of the gate, like before, when he took over, the team was horrible. When he, but when he, in his first year, they stormed up to the to the top of the league, and there weren't a hundred players at the time. No, there were, there were only like 20, 20, yeah, 27. 27 So guys, out of twenty seven, yeah. there were nineteen new cats. Yeah, on the team. Yeah, <laughs> like crazy. yeah. and so that's, what? That's Potsy, a big turnover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what? Potsy builds in along the way is this like camaraderie, this um, this you know they call it like a uh, spirit decor, you know, like this like bond between these players. And, um, and they're like this, you know, this is, and they're, they're good. They're one of the top three teams in the NFL. The Bears, the Packers, and the, and the Portsmouth Spartans are at the top of the league, uh, year after year, 31, 32, 33. And then Portsmouth basically cannot support the team past 33. Um, and the team is disbanded. But at the exact same moment that they were being disbanded, the Detroit Lions, or I'm sorry, the Tigers are coming out of nowhere. 
to storm their way to the World Series, and they're capturing the fascination of the Detroit faithful. And so the, so the uh, WJR radio owner named George Richards comes up, basically comes I don't know, I don't know if it was his idea, but, what I, but he was the lead uh, driver of the, of the project, which was to transplant the Portsmouth Spartans to Detroit and rename them something along the jungle theme of the of the Tigers. I don't know, like the Lions, for instance. That'll work, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, to try to, as, so, to associate this team with the Detroit Tigers um, and to try to draw the enthusiasm. And, and their number one star, his name was Dutch Clark. He, um, they build him as the Ty Cobb of football. So as to say, like, there's a new Ty Cobb in Detroit, but he doesn't play for the Tigers. He plays for the Lions. So you got to come over here and watch the Lions. You see, and so, anyways, in 1934, um, the 1934, the Lions come out of the gate. They win ten straight games. They they're unscored upon for the first seven games of the season. They have this incredible season, 1934, and then and then they fail at the end of the year, just like the Tigers did. So they did no, emulate them in a certain degree. Yeah, they lose like... against the Packers. They lose twice against the Bears, who they had not beaten in um uh in since 1931. And so and so there's this rivalry uh, building up with them. So to, 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 to zip through it a little bit, uh, in 1935, Patsy Clark, the leader of the Lions, the, the GM and manager of the Lions, knows that he has to do something different in 35. Even though they had a great year in 34, he has, so he reshuffles the entire deck and he brings in eight new guys, cuts a bunch of his guys, of his, of his main players and brings in eight new guys for 1935. And, um, initially the team does not gel. Um, at the very end of the season, they go through one of the most incredible streaks. They, they're, they're in last place. They have four games remaining. Any, a loss in any of the games will eliminate them from, uh, any, any hope of a championship contention. And at that moment, the Tigers win the World Series. So they're, so this is October 7th and the team is the, you know, this, the, the Lions are, you know, heading into the end of the season. Um, you know, in, in, in just rough shape. So anyways, they have to face the Packers who had beat them the previous week, 31 to six. They have to beat the they have to face the Bears twice, who they had not beaten since 1931, and they have to beat the Brooklyn Dodgers, who um, had beaten them earlier in the season. And long and short of it, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! They do it. <laughs> they do it. They do they it. They get through. They yeah, do yeah. it, and they get to the end. And this is what we bring in Drew here. Yeah, yeah. Is that because of is, that on that day, it's this moment. Yeah, it's this is the moment. That's why we took a, a little extra time to build the story up because on December fifteenth, this is what we did. I'm glad we didn't get to it last week. Yeah, yeah. Because at the very end, if anybody that's watching the show, if you watch the last episode, I'm going. Should I bring it up? Should I not bring it up? Should we talk about it next week? I don't know. But yeah. no, we'll just leave it for next we'll week. Save. And I'm glad we did because Drew's here. Yeah. Because here, so December fifteenth. 1935, the Lions win their first NFL championship, okay, in their second season. On that day, the Red Wings move into first place for the first time, like all season, for the first time in like a year and a half. Mm -hmm. You see, the the Red Wings had changed their name three times in five years. (laughs) Hockey had not been popular up to this point. In fact, there was more people from Canada coming to Detroit um, from Windsor and that, rooting for the Maple Leafs, rooting for the Canadian teams, than there was actually Red Wings (laughs) Um, fans like home Red Wings fans. Yeah. Hockey was a was a you know a, a, this kind of weird Canadian sport, and um, suddenly the Red Wings are playing for something more than just some obscure Canadian trophy, right. the cup, whatever that is. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. playing for the pride of Detroit. They're playing for the glory of Detroit because yeah. now the Tigers won the World Series. The Lions won their NFL championship. Joe Lewis has just been – and actually on the same day, December 15th, 1935, Joe Lewis is named the, the uh, Associated Press Most Outstanding Athlete of the Year, which is like a national MVP in sports. Um, so on that same day, December 15th. So the Lions win the championship. Joe Lewis named Associated Athlete of the Year. 
uh, Associated Press Athlete of the Year, and the Red Wings now are in first place. And, and so people are story. excited about the yeah. Wings, yeah. finally. They're yes. excited about sports in the city. Because Yes, because the Wings are playing for something greater than just the Stanley Cup. Yeah. They're playing for now, they're like the final missing ma- uh, cha- you know, uh, championship to put on the mantle in the championship case. And people kind of saw Wings. that, and they were, they were kind of calling for it a, a little bit. Oh, and, yeah. And they started saying every day it was City of Champions. Can we do it? Can we do it? And it draws these fans into the idea that like now all of a sudden they're they're what are our chances? Who are our players? What is the cop? What's the Stanley Cop? What is this What's thing? the rules? That's what Drew was looking at the old. He was looking at the old pictures. He's like, look at this somewhere. cup. What is this cup? It all it's, starts uh, it's a different look from yeah. Uh, from it all today. starts somewhere, and this yeah. is what I'm saying. Like the, the and just like and I like to cite the idea that the Red Wings, you know. Um, uh, they they changed their name uh, uh, to, from the Cougars to the Falcons to the Red Wings. Three different team names in five years. And there was a rumor going around that the GM of the team, Jack Adams, yeah. had been trading potatoes for tickets prior to the season. So he's being heckled, for, you know, by fans and stuff, saying, "Hey, Jack, did you get some, you know, like some spot, you know, some Idaho spots? Maybe you'll get front row seats for those." You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. joking about it. It's a yeah. joke because they because they're you know like I say they're um they're 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 saying. You know, the Red Wings are not like they were not. This was not hockey town in 1935. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm but, saying. Like, I want in December there, mid December, it kind of turned to that. That's when it became. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is the moment that Detroit started be, to started to fall in love with hockey. And underneath yeah. that spotlight, um, I don't want to, you know, spoiler alert, the Red Wings are on this newspaper yeah. right here, you know, yeah, yeah. So they won the, you know, they went, but, yeah. you know, but, but, um, uh, uh, but they capped, you know, they capped. It was a bad. It was a it was a dogfight. It was them and the Chicago Blackhawks all year long, and um, there was all kinds of underlying stories that tie into it. That's a, that's a whole other thing. I don't want to go. We'll, yeah. we'll go. We'll go into it. You know, more of it. But um, but the idea, the reason I wanted, I was excited to hear that you're here is great. Such a great moment is because this is the moment that Red Wings fans are sort of in their infancy for hockey, yeah. and you got to see it. <clears throat> You know, down the road with the you know with the diehards in place, and I, right, I wanted yeah. to hear what you, what it was like to be in the arena, you know, in the Coliseum because you, you had know, that extraordinarily yeah unique experience of coming in during the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, and you, you know, your first time into the into the majors was during the yeah, finals for sure, uh, and then getting to to lift the cup, and that just had to be insane. But then just the years with with Detroit. That's and, what I'm curious about. I want to know how the Detroit. Yeah, I want to know. I got questions about Detroit yeah. fans versus other cities, and and then your favorite because so, you settled like in. Yeah. I mean, because you're a Michigan boy. I mean, oh, yeah. born in Jersey, but you know, raised here. You're a Michigan boy. Yeah, I mean, I I watched the Wings, and growing up, I mean, I was I was a Wings fan. I I liked some other teams because I I appreciated certain players, but watching the Wings, so I I watched their their glory days of winning all the cups and and. uh and then I get a chance to to play against the Red Wings and be in the building and feel the energy of of the fans and just how much they love their team and and playoff hockey and playoff hockey in Detroit it's like two different things. Regular season so fun and then you get in the playoffs and they're dropping the octopus from down on the ceiling. Yeah. The light show is going crazy yeah. and all the fans are are going nuts. And uh, you're sitting in the locker room and you can just you can just feel it. You can feel the energy coming. You can tell like everyone's like. They're probably dropping the octopus right now because yeah. you can just feel the rink just like it's just like it's louder and louder and louder. You can and, feel uh, that reverberating. So as and... a as a a visiting team, you yeah. feel that and you're like, holy crap! Like yeah. we're in Detroit, like you you know it. But then as a as a home team player playing for the Wings, you love it. You you can't wait to get out there and play off hockey. It's, it's a totally different. Everyone says it's the second season, but it's a totally different feeling. And uh, to get to feel that in Detroit and to be a part of it, and just I mean, you sit on the bench and there's times that. 
you can't even talk to the guy sitting next to you on the bench and you're like Damn. trying to talk about a play <laughs> yeah. and the crowd is so loud <laughs> that they're screaming and cheering so loud that you're like we kind of we just gotta wait until they're done. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're yelling too loud. So Dang. I mean, hockey town is it's for real. I I haven't felt that in many other rings. So which which of the seasons while you were here in the city felt the most intense as far as fan wise? Was there yeah. one one season that was a bit more than another? I think I mean we had some we had some years where I felt like we had a, a legit chance to win the cup. Yeah. I think when Lidstrom uh, a couple of his last years and we had Dadsuk Zetterberg, we had. I mean, the years, like my first couple of years on the wings, we had Osgood, Draper, Maltby, um, Holmstrom, Lidstrom. I mean, you can go down the list of these guys that are amazing Red Wings, big-time players in a lot of their cup runs, and I'm on a team with these guys. I'm like, we're for that's, sure winning. Yeah, and that's interesting because, yeah, especially growing up watching them and you're yeah. – now you're there, like you know, you see them on baseball cards or hockey cards, yeah. you know, and then you're like, now you're actually on the rink with them, and you got a card of your own, you know. Yeah. yeah so it's it was to, walking in the locker room in Detroit the first time, and shaking hands with those guys, and now I'm their teammate. It was such a sur- surreal moment to be like, okay, I'm from here. Now I'm gonna play for one of the most storied the wings, teams, yeah. the Red Wings, and <laughs> put the wing wheel awesome. on, put that jersey uh-huh. on. It was a great moment in my career, and just in life in general, I think, just to. To, to go in there and be a part of that team and then stick with the team for eight seasons yeah. was, I mean, I, you couldn't really, I, when I looked at my career, I always wanted to play pro hockey and just play as long as I could. I never thought I would be out on, Red, on the Red Wings. I was like, put me on any team. I don't care. I just want to make it. Yeah. And to be in the team, the uh, original six, the Red Wings and with their history and then being from here, man, what a, what a ride it That's was. Awesome. It was, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, so, because so, you, you said a lot of fans were coming in for the Canadian teams, and we yeah. got people that do that today, like our friend Jason. Yeah, but yeah. now they're now they're Red Wings fans. Yeah, like fans in Windsor, from my understanding, yeah. my fans oh, in Windsor, yeah. Windsor, Windsor, Windsor fans are die are diehard Red Wings. Yeah. It's a little yeah. bit, but when we play Toronto, like so, yeah. the Maple Leafs cannot, like you can barely buy a ticket there, and if you can, it's so expensive. So a lot of when we play the Maple Leafs. A lot of those fans come down here and they'll buy, yeah. they'll buy the tickets just to get in the building. Oh, you and mean you can't even get them in Toronto so they actually come here? Because it's so corporate. It's... There's so many tickets oh, okay. that are paid and so the prices are so high that they, ah. they, they'd rather come to Detroit, oh my God. pay a little bit yeah. less, and then watch the game here. So it's the the chanting is like, let's go Red Wings. And right after that's go Leafs, go. Let's really? Go, oh, my Red God. Wings, go Leafs, go. It's <laughs> like so loud and so and those, they battle it out for the. I got yeah, you. That's so those, awesome. those moments are are pretty fun, and uh, Montreal gets a big crowd here. A lot of the, the fans come down uh, across the border for that too. Well, in the uh, in reading about the thirty, like in the 34, 35, like Montreal, that was really a that was really a town that stood out for for you know, Toronto too, of course. Yep. But uh, Montreal, um, man, they had this it's called like the Millionaires section. They called it the Millionaires section, mm. and it was like just this crazy. Uh, corner of the um of the old I think it's called the Montreal Forum, and uh, it was like just I guess like just a madhouse like like you don't even want to even skate near it like even if you were on the Montreal team like if you made a mistake you didn't even want to go near it like they throw stuff at you like glass bottles or something <laughs> not just a million but not just them I mean in Detroit and Chicago and all this it's not I got artic- I got articles all through this book talking about how. Bottles, glass bottles are thrown at players on the ice. Like fans are grabbing players as they skate down the ice yeah. and yanking them off their, you know, off their skate. You know, I mean, it's well, like back then they used to have the chain link fence. They didn't have glass. Yeah, they had fence exactly. So yeah, like, I think they had that. Man, that was like into like maybe in the 
60s? I don't even know. Like, uh, they had it for a while. Yeah. So. That's, I mean, it's, yeah, the, the vintage stuff is crazy. Like, yeah. people talk about – that's what I loved about some of this – You know. You, Especially like when I was doing these art shows and you're talking with like you're kind of you know rank and files and you're like fan and they're like oh that was like another they were a bunch of small guys you know it was they always kind of poo poo the time like oh it was that was back in the 30s or whatever you know like but you don't understand like there's without any rules it's almost like I mean I mean it's just like a gladiator battle with sticks and a puck I mean some of the stuff got oh, yeah. crazy. And uh, I mean, it's just yeah, it's um, it's different. But but anyways, yeah, I just love the idea that millionaires club. I think it's just such a great name for a for a section. Like they weren't millionaires. <laughs> they usually say it and they're like they weren't millionaires, and, and they were like it was like the cheap seats actually. And um, maybe that's kind of like a play on play on words for why it was called the millionaires section or something. But is there is there a, a stadium that that or arena that uh, you get to play in that that was impressive from from the players perspective what yeah, was I, I think like we're talking about montreal montreal was one yeah. of those one of those stadiums that it's a lot like the little caesars arena now where the the fans are pitched up a little bit more yeah. so when you're on the ice it literally feels like they are on top of you mm. so you're skating around you're like it's just a little bit more intimidating and uh like you said they they care so much about the game they they're very educated on the game so they know what's going on and uh yeah so that was always a fun i just the history, I think, just original six teams uh, have so much history, and there's so much that goes into the. Even if it's a newer building, just I mean, there's so much there, and I think in Chicago, the national anthem there is the guy that sings the national anthem there. I don't know if you guys ever seen no. it or heard of it. This guy, he's almost like an opera singer. He's like six, eight years tall, like so tall, and he just belts this out, and the whole crowd <laughs> just like claps and screams and yells during it. So like, literally, your blood is like boiling. You're like. You're like shaking on the bench, like you're so like jacked up for it. So I, I love being in Chicago. That's awesome. For that. It was. There were some time tested rivalries with with Detroit, and and you know I remember the Avalanche was a big oh my a, god a big yeah. one, Man, and then huge. you get the original six, and uh, just going back and forth. Uh, you know, some years it was, it's Chicago that uh, we really had uh, the go to with. Some years is Boston. Uh, so thirty five. Who in thirty five? Who was Chicago? Uh, the Chicago 100%. was uh, the giving us the most trouble. Hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. And there's actually a really interesting. Uh, like I say, we can dive. We're going to really dive deep into this. But yeah. I'll give a, a, a couple. Uh, just a couple of glance overs because it, because a lot of times you know so a lot of times people think rivalries are only because of the proximity of right. a city. Like oh, Chicago's near us, so it's a natural rivalry. And that's there's I'm sure there's a there's something to to do with that. But um, but a lot of times I think it's because because of that proximity you tend to play that other team more and you start to develop like you know one guy elbows another guy so that guy the next game you know what I mean like you you have more chances for friction more chance for escalation for sure. um and so uh, back in the thirties so that, so that is what was like you know besides you know there I can sit here and talk about numerous examples of. The players that didn't like each other, because there was—I mean, there's a great many. But it's but one of the most fascinating components of the Red Wings at this time um, is uh, is the is the is the rivalry between the owners, James oh. Norris and Frederick McLaughlin for the for the Blackhawks. Because the, in the in the story of them, like it goes back a little bit. But the idea was is that to save a ton of time uh, telling it um, is that the two of them were were lived in the same neighborhood in Chicago. Oh. And and Norris had been blocked from getting a a NH he loved hockey. Norris loved hockey and he and he had been blocked from getting a team in Chicago because McLaughlin had got the Blackhawks, he got the Chicago Arena, 
And he at Chicago Stadium, I believe it was called, but it was a hockey arena, and um, that's where the 1932 uh, championship was played between right. the Portsmouth Spartans and the Bears. Yeah. And and anyways, um, so Norris was blocked from getting a team in Chicago because McLaughlin had a deal with the NHL saying, you know, we have exclusivity for this for this region, and so Norris started his own league. He started his own like NHL style league in Chicago. And recognizing that um, that the NHL recognized that, I mean, Norris was a billionaire. I mean, he was one of the most richest people in the country. And so they were like recognizing the, the need not of like not wanting to pick a fight with a billionaire, right? With a grudge, right? Yeah. So he, so they, they're like, well, why don't you wage your, and they hated each other. McLaughlin and Norris hated each other. And so, and they're like, I say neighbors in the same district in Chicago. Anyways. Um, rather than they, they, uh, the NHL was like, why don't we let them wage their on their war on the ice rinks of the NHL? We we need an ownership in in, in Detroit, which was like just getting destroyed. Um, they, they were horrible. Um, and so uh, in 1932, Norris become becomes the owner, basically buys the Red Wings and the oh. Olympic Stadium, buys the whole thing. Um, buys the whole thing, and he's the one that renames them the Red Wings. Okay, and that's based on his team when he played with the uh, the Montreal Winged Wheelers. Uh-huh. So he's the one that he played for the Montreal Winged Wheelers. A I think it was an amateur team in the 1880s, and so he brought that name, the Wheelers, to the Red Wings. And then there was the original. I have the picture in here. It had two wings. This one would just have one, mm-hmm. and um, so he changed the name of it. And so then from that point on, he's like, there was just an arms race between him and McLaughlin. To battle it out, so the ownership hated each other. I can tell you an equally powerful story, you know, big story about between Norris and the coaches of the of the Blackhawks, or I mean, not Norris, but uh, Jack Adams, the coach and GM of the Red Wings, and the coach and GM of the Blackhawks. Um, and uh, and like I say, the players. I mean, it was just. In the, but I just wanted to talk about one quick um, uh, player, which his name is Mike Caracas, yeah, because he was the goalie of of Norris's team. That you know, like I say, Norris founded a league in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Well, Norris's goalie for the Chicago Shamrocks was a guy named Mike Caracas, and Mike Caracas, the, the, uh, Norris offered him to Jack Adams, saying, uh, "You know, you want this goalie? Like he's pretty good. You know, let's bring him onto the Red Wings." And Norris and Mick Adams like, "No, nah, he's not good enough for my team." Right? Oh. So he got cut. Well, he signed with Chicago Blackhawks, and in 1935, he's a rookie goaltender with the Blackhawks. He wins Rookie of the Year for his incredible goal goaltending um, throughout the entire season. And of right. course, he lived to to tear down the Red Wings. So you'm saying you see the idea, like goalie against goalie, you know, yeah. owner versus owner, Jeez. you know, GM versus GM, <laughs> player versus player. It's endless, and that's you see these rivalries. It, there's a reason for it, and really, it, it, it originates in this era. Because we yeah. talk about the original six, right? And I was like, oh, so the Wings changed their name like three times. And then they're finally the wings there in thirty five. So it, were there only six teams? In no, five. But the because you told me it's a misnomer. It's a total yeah, misnomer. It, it's so the, yeah, the original six, six came into being. The the concept came in because there was the only teams left after the Great Depression and after yeah. World War Two had hit. Yeah, there was yeah. many more teams before World War Two. Yeah, many more. so I, I was I was surprised because we're talking about thirty five, yeah, yeah. and then. I'm in like, fact, I think there was eight teams. A, I think there was eight yeah. teams in '35. Actually, yeah, yeah. and there, there were a couple more before. Ottawa that was there. Something. Yeah, you had Ottawa. Yeah, you had two teams in Montreal. The Maroons. The Maroons. My God, the Montreal Maroons have one of the greatest. I mean, that was who the the Red Wings faced the Montreal Maroons in the first round of the playoffs, and they were like the Maroons were favored. They were an incredible team. Um, but the Montreal Maroons are a, a, have an incredible legacy in hockey. Anybody that's listening to this, we have a chance. <laughs> I'm look bring up the Maroons back. Oh, the I mean, Maroons. Were, Maroons oh. Right? Maroons I were incredible. I guess I just don't know enough. 
Yeah, the Maroons History were an, my sport. <laughs> well, the Maroons were an incredible team. They were an incredible. Lionel, look up Lionel Conacher. Yeah, Lionel Con, like the Conacher brothers. Man, the Conacher brothers, but Lionel. Oh my God, Lionel Conacher was a he was the one of the greatest athletes Canada ever produced, and he was and he was their defenseman on the freaking Maroons. He was one of the best players. Like I mean, Hooley Smith. I mean, this is. Man, the Maroons, I don't even know how many Hall of Famers are on that team, but it's a lot. I don't know if you caught in that story, though, but because the first football championship, NFL championship, took place in a hockey arena. Because it was in Chicago, and there was a blizzard, and they couldn't play outside because no one would have shown up. And so they played it. A football game in in, in a hockey arena, in the yeah. hockey arena with all kinds of customized rules. For yeah, the yeah. So it's like if they got so far, then they went back. And yeah, and but the, and it was, it was like, and it was set up because it wasn't just like they. I heard was, that. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, so the first, the first, we did glance over. It, yeah, but I was first, trying to condense the story. Maybe, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, go back, go back yeah. to episodes. We yeah, go, you, we you, go into it deep. We got pinned it, Jamie. You pinned it. You go that thirty-two game. Hold on, like let's. Yeah. So, but that was. I thought that was interesting that they played in a hockey arena. Uh, the first and it, NHL, and it wasn't NFL because the NFL tried to set up a championship game. It was because the Spartans and the Bears had tied at the end of the season, and they just needed to have a tiebreaker game. And they're like, yeah. "Well, this is a chance to do like a World Series, you know what I mean?" For so football, they're like, yeah. "The first championship game is going to decide it." it and then after that, that game, the, <laughs> so the NFL divided into two halves, and then they had two divisions ever since, having a super, you know, a super oh, and they, the, game. the circus was in town the week before, yeah, yeah, and they left all the dirt from the circus. That's down why it made there, it even more and all everything yeah. else. Else, yeah, all the elephant dung yeah. and everything. Yeah. It was yeah. like, oh, it was, a, it was a beautiful, beautiful game. Yeah. But you were a Spartan. I was. Uh, you got to play. Uh, that's like a family tradition. Yeah. Right? I was, I so, was how deep tenth, does that family tradition go? I was the 10th member of my family to play hockey at Michigan State. Tenth so, member tenth. of the family. Yeah. So no pressure. Yeah. My grandpa so, started in the, in the mid 50s. Okay. Got a great uncle, my dad, five cousins, my brother, and me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, quite the, the tradition. And I, so were I, you destined? I mean, with that much hockey behind you, was it? You know, I mean, you, you had the you had the coaches there at home. Were you kind of destined for it? Uh, I, yeah, I think like if I look back in my childhood, I, I spent a lot of time in ice rink. Yeah, my uncle, my great uncle, he owned an ice rink in L- in, in Lansing called LIA. Okay, or it was, maybe it was LIG, and they switched to LIA. One right. of the two, but he. Uh, yeah, so all the guys who come that played hockey at Michigan State and played pro hockey, they would come back to town and train in the summer. So I would go watch them. So my cousins are training and all the guys playing pro hockey. So I go fill up the water bottles, chase after pucks, and then they play. And then at the end, I go get my gear on and go out and skate with them. So yeah. I thought it was cool. And my brother did the same thing. And uh, so he's four years older than me. And what kind of training? Is, you know, that's just amazing training. Just uh, the mentorship and the yeah. So I, I saw what it took to be successful at that level. Working, and I might not had known it at that time, but I was watching it and, and absorbing it, and and that became just a regular thing. I was like, hey, this is what they do. This is how hard they work, and and then I think just seeing that, and that's just kind of I just adopted that and just kept going with hockey. So it's uh, yeah, I kind of was just brought up in that that. Uh, you know, lifestyle. So, so, what, so it wasn't necessarily, it was, I mean, would, it, was it something in the genes or was it something like just seeing that like, you know, brother after brother, you, what you guys, you know, kind of like the work each other each put in like next level, like next per, next person in line, like uh, the, the extra work put into it to. to yeah, I, I'd have to say there's going to be something in the genes because my uh, my grandma told me before she passed and she said, you know what, when I watch you play hockey, I swear to God, it's your dad out there. Oh. So, and I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, you guys skate the exact same, like identical. 
our stride and how we look out there and just our mannerisms. And, and other people have said that, like some of my dad's buddies when I skate with them, they're like, you guys are like, like twins out there. So mm. there's gotta be something yeah, yeah, yeah. just uh, in the genes, but, but the I work think it's too, just yeah. being like, you're in it a hundred percent hockey all the time, eat, sleep, play. Sure. And, uh, yeah, I think that, that definitely Plus, helps. Yeah. So the environment too, the environment being yeah. in that, in the, I get you. Yeah. And moms know moms and grandmas know. Yeah. They, because they watch. Oh yeah. Because Colleen, my my son, my stepson, Colin. You know, I was a hockey dad. I wasn't a hockey player, but I'm a, I was a hockey. I'm a hockey oh, yeah. dad, and uh, he played from little all the way through the end of high school. And and you know, spring. You know, they didn't have numbers or anything. Just playing jerseys for spring hockey. And you know, we're like, "Where's Colin?" She's like, "He's right there." And they're like, "How do you know?" She's like, "I know." Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. It's my boy. I know what he looks like. So yeah, yeah Grandma's saying she knows. Oh yeah. Grandma knows. They Grandma. know. They know for sure. So. Grandma knows. Yeah, was, so the Spartans, you, I, cause I asked Charles, we were talking about, uh, and it's like, oh, the Spartans. I wonder if Michigan State had drawn that, but I mean, Spartans, it's just, that's a good sports name. Well, Spartans um, are just like a, you mean, a legendary warrior. Yeah. So, I mean, it's yeah, so yeah, natural yeah. that somebody I was, somewhere I was, would use them. For my a, supposition yeah, is that, name. uh, they took it from Portsmouth Spartans and they brought it to state. That's my. That, they're just it, not bison facts. My supposition <laughs> is that just... it had nothing to do with each other. <laughs> that was my supposition. It had nothing to do with each other. In fact, they didn't bring the Spartans to Detroit yeah. because of the yeah. Michigan State Spartans. Oh, you know, maybe. The, yeah. That they didn't want to. That would, like, that would it, probably be even smarter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, even you know more I mean? like, logical. That's, well, that's my supposition. Yeah. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, yeah. I just, <laughs> I I just, don't, don't, that's me. I just but it could have been, <laughs> but you could be right and I could be right, Jamie, because you know what I'm saying? Like they could have been named. Yeah. We could all, you know, without, if anybody out there is listening that has a, you know, that knows. You know, we're, we'll we'll uh, you know uh, learn a new lesson. You know, but Charles was was excited about the 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 fans and just the whole the the fan experience. It's one of my favorite components of the whole story, and, and it's then, one of those things. Whenever a lot of times we talk about history, you talk about uh, different stories. You know, you, a lot of times you focus. It's like people focus on the stats, the winning, the, all these different things, and mm-hmm. a lot of times the fans. It's kind of like the, you know they they show a picture of the fans. They show this and that, but the fans are the one, you know, like, you know, like, you know, there's the, the, you know, there's the Coliseum, there's the Gladiator, and then there's the fans. Like, yeah. the fans kind of drive the energy. And I, yeah. I've always liked to, I almost, like, I try to, it, along the way, I've tried to sort of do a chronicle of the fans right. in these books. I mean, from the very, I have an entire section in here called The Rise of the Detroit Sports Fan. Yeah. Talking about the fan, the history of these fans. Yeah. Because, Shooter, can I call you Shooter? <laughs> no, 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 what? <laughs> Jason Tuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Oh but, man, Shooter. Oh, he yeah. said to call you Shooter, but yeah. But I just connecting with fans. Um, even when once you were retired, and you know they want you back to sign autographs, and you made dear friends with the Heartless Clan. Yeah. Um, just Great there signing signing fans and, and connected with them. Jason, yeah, told me to pick on you and, and call you that. But have you have you like what kind of connections have you made with a fan like you know as as a player while you were a player and then then now afterwards too? Yeah, I think uh, I think that in Detroit the one thing that they do well is they get the players involved, season ticket holder events or or different charity events, and the fans are all there. And sometimes it's quick where you it's, you sign and move on because there's so many people there. But then there's some events like the the Toast to Hockey Town is one that you can get there and and. It's pictures and autographs, whatever it is, but you can have a conversation with fans and, and kind of come down to that person to person level and not just, Hey, you're on the ice. I can't have any interaction with you and, uh, anything like that. So it's a little yeah. bit more broken down and, and they can appreciate being, Hey, 
I enjoy watching you, but I can at least talk to you and, and you are real. So I enjoyed that part of it. I, I enjoyed the relationship with the fans, talking to them. Um, they have their favorite moments or favorite teams. And just to hear their interaction with the team and, and their history. Um, and it goes back. I mean, it's family members, grandparents, great-grandparents. I mean, it's passed down through the generations for the love for the Red Wings, I'm sure. It's totally. The, that's 100%. the same way for 100%. all the sports yeah. in Detroit. That's how, I, that's how I became a fan. Yeah. My, my, my parents, you know, like my dad, yeah. my aunt, my my Aunt Judy, if she's listening, she's the one that bought me uh, Detroit Tiger baseball card sets of just the Tigers. Yeah. You know, and then she bought me a set of the Blue Jays, and she said, hate these guys. <laughs> it's like, these are the, you're, you're a fan of the Tigers. You're a fan of the Tigers. You know, the, 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 you know I, was, I was basically indoctrinated. So it is passed on, for there's no doubt. Um, the question I have is, what are, like I want to know uh, like do you have any like like incre- like a, an like a I mean like, just memories in general like something you like weird you know like either it's like a a great memory with a fan or like maybe like a like a horrible memory of the fan like any like fans like throw something at you or something <laughs> after a game or anything like anything that you know that you just that uh, sticks out I mean I don't think I have anything that really sticks out like crazy I think it's just. Like fan um, stalker, like something like this. Like, yeah, I, don't know. Oh God, like, like I demand to get a picture with you if you no, don't get nothing a picture. Like that. I, I think it's in. just sometimes uh, when, when you're with the fans, they, they say like they freeze up or, or whatever and they get like really nervous and they're like, and I'm like, well, I'm not Zetterberg or I think they're just, they are so passionate about their team and, and, and get the, opportunity to meet the players and, and be around them in different settings i think that that's just the most fun is just hearing the their side of the, the story not even interaction just with me just in general about the the red wings or, or when i was with other teams just hearing their interaction and their love for the game i think that's something that i've really always taken from the fans is just their appreciation and love for the game and i think that that's something that we have in common as not only just as a fan but a player it's just yeah. it's there for both sides and and they care so much and they're so passionate about us winning and i think on the player side is we're so passionate about playing and winning and we want to do it for our fans so i think we you, you bring that energy in the middle and i think that's why detroit sports fans are so good is that as the as the season goes on and as the playoffs come they ramp up just oh, as, yeah. as the same time we are ramping up so, I mean, that energy level is just going up, and then that playoff hockey is so intense and so fun. And I think just, you know, I, I think they got a little spoiled here by so many championships and so many playoff Yeah, it's like 20-something years, 20 years in a row of playoffs in a row. Yeah, so it's it was like, like 25. People were like, it got to the point. Years 25, was, yeah. 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 yeah, it got to the point where people were like, dude, I'm tired of going to the playoffs. Yeah. There was actually people saying, like, I'm tired of going to the playoffs. No. Like no, they were no. They, because they were like because they wanted to like tear down the team and say like yeah. let's build up and have like a super team. I'm tired of just going to the playoffs, yeah. losing the first round, and being done. Like that's how spoiled is. Like I'm tired of going to the playoffs. Let's like strip down and you know rebuild a super team. Like that's really that's the that, that's what happened. I mean that's that was the you know the the prevailing fan sentiment that was like it's great to go to the playoffs, but we want to win a Stanley Cup. Like yeah. you know I mean like that's like that's become like the standard when it's. Kind of like the Yankees, good, like, they don't want to just yeah, go, which to, is yeah. a good standard to have. It raises yeah. the bar, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And no, I, I think it's it's uh, right now it's a, it's a tough time, and I'm back in the in the building for about half the home games, doing in house TV and doing the game day show on the concourse, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. So we just break down, like do a an intro to who we're playing, then we do a breakdown of the first period, second period. So the fans are right there, so I'll do the pictures and autographs after each segment. So I'm trying to just interact and talk with the fans there and. And just be a part of that energy from a different perspective now is not as a player, but being up in the actual sitting in the crowd or, or just being in the building 
whether it's up in the press box area or I'll find a random seat in the in the lower bowl and just sit and watch and just to feel the energy. I love that. So it's I don't have to be in hockey every single day. I insert myself back in at certain times yeah. just to be a part of that energy. I love it. I are love you, the fan energy. Are you skating at all? Are you, do I you skate still, a little bit, yeah. yeah? Oh, you can't not, man. You've been oh, skating your sure. whole life. He's not going to well, stop, I mean, But you got man. ravaged towards the end. I mean, the cut and then the jaw and then towards the shoulder. Me, and, yeah, I had yeah, surgery. I see, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you know, skate, yeah. yeah. So That's I, a, yeah. You got character. Yeah, I, al- <laughs> I almost was a pirate. Oh, <laughs> damn, almost geez. lost my eye. But damn. sixty, seventy stitches or something yeah. like that. In was the it layer. really? Yeah. Oh my god! It started here, went up, and then went across my eyeball and up in my uh, eyelids. So I got lucky. Somehow I blinked at the right time, and my eye retracted. But yeah, so damn. I got lucky. Um, very, very lucky. Yeah, it's on YouTube. If anyone wants to watch, <laughs> is it? my YouTube highlights are Jamie. Making... Usually, Jamie in these shows would already have oh, yeah, the video yeah, booted yeah, yeah. up yeah. and putting up on screen. I'm so just drinking no, and hanging we, out. Yeah, today. we don't need I'm that not, video. Yeah, We're yeah, good. Yeah. Let them. I mean, let the fans. Let them like find it themselves. Me getting covered the skate and me getting <laughs> not so well in a fight and <laughs> maybe blocking a few shots. But that's my YouTube highlight. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's not nothing glorious, but it's. Uh, yeah, no, I, I had a great time playing Detroit. But that's what I'm saying. But you got memories. to live the dream, man. Because like growing up, like actually, I met there was a uh, um I, I do a lot of work in these like you know like the art shows and art community and stuff. And there was um there's a guy that I met that uh, he was a bat boy for the Tigers. We've talked about bat boys, yeah, you know, like yeah, this. Yeah. And but this was a bat boy for like the '90s Tigers, 1990s Tigers. And I, are you a Tiger fan? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I like I grew up in the '90s. Like the Tigers, you know, baseball is it for me. I, I mean, I love all sports. I really do. But baseball is it for me. In yeah. the '90s, like just you know, God, like the Tigers, they were the worst team in baseball. <laughs> but I loved them. Like Mickey Tettleton, and I'm giving a shout, Travis Fryman. Anybody that's never heard of Travis Fryman, look him up because he's my favorite player. He was my LK line growing up. Um, but uh, but anyways, this guy, I meet, I'm talking to this guy, and he's related to Frank Tanana. Right, oh. the pictures of the Tigers, oh, yeah. and he, this guy, he was the Bat Boy for the Tigers in the nineties, at least for a certain yeah. amount of time. He like did some Bat Boy stuff. He like went, you know, did some behind, you know, was always he like hang out, like whenever he wanted to go to a game, he's in the in the Tiger dugout or whatever. Like he did all the stuff behind the scenes. Like, dude, you lived my childhood yeah. like, fantasy, man. Like, one of my, one like, of my kids, he's right like, yeah, now. it was cool. I'm like, no, dude, you don't understand. That was like my. Like you know, '90s Charles' dream was yeah. to like be like a Bat Boy for a game for the Tigers, or whatever. You know, like, one of my kids right now uh, is a Bat was a Bat Boy. The season just ended, but uh, for who the yeah. Tigers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How the hell did he get that? I, I want to be a Bat Luke. Boy, Jamie. He wants to. He wants I want to be, be the Bat Boy. He wants to. <laughs> Come be, on, man. He wants to be the. He wants to be a, a sports announcer. So he's like, he's. I'm, I'm helping him. Uh, well, I want to do some stuff too. Announce. But I, I mean, is yeah. that what it takes to get a job like uh, that? Doing something like this? I I'll clean up a bat here and there. Yeah. No, but I'm just saying, but I, I use it because, like, you actually got to play with the team, which is yeah. like, you know, like, you grow up, I grew up playing, like, oh, man, like, I'm going to, I grew up in Kalamazoo and wearing a tiger hat, and, you know, Kalamazoo is almost an equal distance between Chicago and Detroit. Mm-hmm. So there was, like, hat, it was almost, it was weird because Kalamazoo had a lot of Chicago, like, whites, especially in the 90s. Like I said, the Tigers are trash. And so um, you had a lot of White Sox fans in the, ni- in the 90s in Kalamazoo. And so I, there's a lot of time I had to defend my team. I'm like, dude. <laughs> You know, I mean, we're not supposed to swear in here, but I was like, you know, heck with the White Sox, dude. I'm, a, you know, the Tigers are it. They're like the Tigers stink, and so I'd have to defend the team. But I'm like, even at the time, like I say, it was like if I had a chance to even play to play with the Tigers, yeah. that would have been awesome. So it's, it's, you know, like I can see like how that, oh, I can yeah. see from your perspective, like you, you look for any job with the NHL, but the, the fact you land with the Red Wings is is, yeah, is was, extra cool. It's a little bit of luck and and. uh 
And fate, a little fate mid to there. Yeah, I mean, for there's, sure. There's, there's some stuff meant to be gotta, in there. Yeah, a little bit, but you got to get lucky sometimes. And sure, I hit, sure, I hit sure. My, my, my time period pretty well. I think my role was needed then, and I was yeah. really good at it. And yeah. I found that niche and, and tried to be the best I could and stay there for it. So Eight years, man. Yeah. That's a, that's a good run. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Heck yeah. yeah. I think most people would, hey, my role was go on the ice so that Dad Suk and Zetterberg can rest. And go get hit with a puck so we don't get scored on on the on the power play. Yeah, hey, that's, I think we'll lean into it. Lean into it. Okay, I'll go kill time and get hit with pucks. Yeah, lean into it. It hurts, Buttermaker. I don't want to do it. Yeah, I can lean into it. It hurts, Buttermaker. So, but so you, you retired, and so now you're working uh, KIG, right? Karakin Karakin Insurance, insurance Group. Group. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so what's what's your what's what's the story, Morning Glory? What are you doing now? Yeah, no, insurance is uh, for me. We talk a lot about interacting with the fans and how much I enjoyed it, and I, I love hearing their stories and and just that whole thing. So I enjoy the relationship side. So that's insurance. I I, I fell into it through. Family member and I switched agencies this a little bit ago to to Crock and Insurance Group in Detroit area, and I love doing insurance. It's uh, you, you can help people. Uh, I mean, people work so hard in their life for what they had: house, cars, all that. And you want to make sure that they're covered the correct way. Uh, and just on top of that, I think mostly people want to trust someone that the they're putting their trust in them to provide a service and a piece of paper that says, "Hey, you're covered." and I want to be that person that can do it. And I, and I, I enjoy the relationship side of working with them. And, and uh, the personal side is pretty much like, hey, you have your house, your car, this is what it is. Right. But on the commercial side, you got to build it. You got to, you got to figure out what they need for that business and, uh, and, and grow and grow with them and, and do what they need for their, for their different policies. So I, I enjoy building it on that commercial side and then switching the crack and insurance group. Uh, it's it's uh I, I say they're a lot like the Illiches and mm. they're they're family oriented, they're family based, uh they, they they care about their employees. And that's one thing that drew me to that agency is uh not only are they the culture, they they, they set you up to win, they they give you the carriers you need, they give you the, the support, the mentorship, but they're family based, they're they're family oriented, and that's I, I think that that's the biggest thing. That I can compare them to my experience with hockey is man the Illiches were amazing. Yeah. They were amazing owners. They were amazing to their players. Uh, just just from a standpoint of caring, and they would call you before a contract and say, "Hey, how's it going, Drew?" And I'm like, "Oh my God, the Illiches are calling me!" Like, <laughs> "Hey, Mister I, I Mister I, how you doing?" But that's the relationship that they had with their players, and and it was great. And I take, and I think that that is something that drew me to the KIG insurance group that it's, man, I mean, they, they really care about their people. You and, do health there? Health they, insurance? They do some health. Yeah. We do more like group, group benefits, group okay. health, stuff like that. So yeah, property casually. So your, your home, your auto, boat, all that kind of stuff on the personal side. On the commercial side, it's you, you're doing property, commercial I mean, auto. I'm just saying for anybody listening, it's got to be a it's huge factor just to be able to call somebody up. You know, like we're talking about the trust element to call them up. Know that somebody you're not you're not calling somebody that's trying to you know what I mean like there's a lot, I mean there's all kinds of ra- people calling you about insurance and yeah. such and such oh, for sure but to call you up and know that there's somebody you can trust and say I need this this and that and then you know yeah. you you get them the deal and you know things are gonna make you know make the thing happen is uh, a value you know it's a va- that's a value so yeah. you you ever sit down with somebody and then you're pitching the insurance and they're sitting there and they're staring at you going. 
do I know you? Do I? <laughs> Have you, are, you, are you getting actually, that enough? Um, <laughs> do I? I got, I, actually, it wasn't when I was pitching insurance, <laughs> but a funny story is I was sitting in a pizza place in East Lansing, yeah, okay. and I was, it was during uh, the Tigers, uh, I think it was during their all-star break. Yeah. So I'm sitting there eating pizza with my mom and my dad, <laughs> and I was just skated at the ice rink there in East Lansing, not, not Michigan State, it's one of the other ones. Um, and I'm sitting there, and this this lady and her son come over, and the son's probably seven years old, and she's like, uh, uh, "Hey, Mister Osmus, will you take a picture?" <laughs> oh, my no, son? You do. oh damn, man, you do look like Osmus, <laughs> kind of a little bit. Yeah, you do. I so now I see it. It was, it was pretty funny. Like yeah, that. and I was like, "Damn!" And and no, well, Brad, he's actually like, he's I, yeah. I took the picture yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then she said, actually. Thank you, Mr. Osmus, oh, for the picture. And me and my dad looked at each other like, <laughs> but no, it's it's definitely, I, I get some Red Wing fans and some people have done some insurance with them. And I think it's just, everything doesn't have to be always business. Yeah. And it's, it's fun to talk some Red Wings and hockey or whatever with, with different people I insure. And I like that because it's, hey, let's, let's make sure you're taken care of. But we also have some fun stuff to talk about and, and, uh, sure. and interact and have, it, it doesn't always have to be that like, Okay, here's your insurance. Okay, talk to you next year. It's a there's there's a relationship that can be there, and we have a common ground that we can we can chat about playoffs or yeah, people or wondering about sports. where to look for stuff. Like there's so many different places that gets. I mean, I'm saying like you know it's a you know trust is about the it's about trust, but you know making a you know connection with a business that you can trust and make it happen. So it sounds like they're. I mean, it's that's it. I'm glad yeah, you're no, here to talk. It's about good. It. No, it's I appreciate having you guys on. It's I'm a, I'm so pumped to to hear about. 1935. It's something that's so yeah. We're, we, we, this is our, our entire sh- the, the year was so great. The year was so great that we have an entire show built around. <laughs> we're no, on no. episode. This what is this, Jamie? Jamie what episode is this? Episode 15? Uh, about 15? fifteen. Yeah. No, this we have we have fifteen episodes and we're barely scratched the surface yet. Do you know? Uh, so like that's what I'm saying. Like we have an entire show about it because the season's so great. Oh my god. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, if you want to come hang, because we're gonna Anytime, we're saving man. like the yeah. winning games for the end. Yeah. We're so we, that's wanna... what I'm saying. Like that's why the the dilemma last week. Was because um, because we want to save all the championship games for like one episode. Yeah, where we're gonna yeah. rattle through them all and like yeah. you know we're gonna so build them wanna... all up because it all happened within a it all happened within a seven well it all happened within a seven month stretch of time. Yeah. So and so like you know it, you know we we talk about the Tigers you know the the Tigers uh, season like six episodes ago. So we don't want to like lose track of the, of the fact that. They all happen in such a short amount of time. That's yeah. why I want to blitz them all at once. That's yeah. that's how I wrote the movie. For this is the movie right here, the screenplay. This is Netflix ready to go. And the final episode. <laughs> the final a full episode. Screenplay written. It's the insane. final episode is. So um, and that's one of the reasons why I'm doing the show. Is that anybody that's listening to this, maybe you know, we're, we want to build a movie project around this. And I, yeah, and it, he does. like, I could send this out to Hollywood. I have, I, I, I know people in Hollywood. I do. I'm not like some, I'm not be like, I know people. I'm like, I'm not some kind of, you know, like some mogul or something, but I, I do. I have some couple contacts in Hollywood. I could send it out to, but the thing about it is I'm hoping to do something organically in Detroit. Yeah. I'm trying to make some like, because I like the, 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 the fear that I have for the movie is if I just send this out to Hollywood um, number one, they'll be like, Hey, we'll give you a million dollars for your screenplay or something like this, yeah. like a couple hundred thousand, whatever it is. And I'd be tempted to take it and I'd, you know, I'd sell it to them or whatever. Or even if I did sort of, you know, sign some kind of a deal that they would take it in, like they call it Hollywoodizing it. You know, this story has got so much substance to it. Yeah. You don't need to make anything up. It's literally like this entire thing is like, it's almost like the book. All I did was like literally use the books and write it into a yeah. screenplay. As I'm saying, like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep the integrity of the story. 
And um, and that's I'm hoping that like yeah. this show, that's really Jamie. Yep. We, I don't even talk about my, you know, one of my objectives for this entire show is is hopefully to you know that people are listening that um are in a position that want to help put something together for you know the the, uh, the Netflix you know and then we gotta then we gotta exactly. ensure that business we put together yeah yeah we absolutely I know we where I'm going KIG for action. it right, already, yeah. already I'll say it right here isn't it contractual lies yeah no we we can we'll make a deal right now we'll sign the contract now for insurance for the movie there we go so all right so one another one of the podcasts that records out of here podcast Detroit. Northville, shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> you got your own plug. We're all plugging our own projects plug on Jamie, no, plug no, no, your no, stuff, another, man. Another one, no, another one of the podcasts that records out of here is uh, Behind the Bar with Zim's Vodka. Yeah. Uh, and then Terry Olson and Bruce Carroll, they both play juniors. Do you know those cats at all? I do. Yeah. Right on. I, I think, yeah, I skate T.O., so yeah, yeah, he's still, they still skate. Oh, yeah. Zim's Vodka needs in the to plug their league. They need to yeah. plug their <laughs> gray hair league. 36, and you are like, got that Steve Martin thing going. It's just oh, yeah. great early. Zim's Vodka needs to think about plugging their product on the show so yes. we can all sample it. And well, that's it. We, they it they yes. dropped off two bottles. Well, I mean, keep us stocked. Well, that's great. We love but our, did we, we say anything about Zim's Vodka? They need to be on the show. But Terry was in the chat room, and he said, ask him what he thinks. Uh, Tory something with a K. Krug. Krug. Tory Krug. Who should he sign with? Well, I would love him to come to Detroit. Yeah. It's going to be hard for them to get him away from Boston, but he's a Sparty. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's a Sparty. He played after me. Um, he's a really good player. He's one of the sports ball. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah so he, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of rumors yeah. going around where he's going to end up. Yeah, Montreal. Yeah. Um, I heard a couple other places, but it'd be great. I mean, he's from Detroit. Played at Michigan State, it'd be awesome. Eiserman's here to sign him, man. Yeah, talk to awesome. just, all you got to do is just talk to Eiserman. I got such high hopes, man. Just, There's just, like just talk to him. Give yeah. him. Just give him a couple of minutes. There's some magic that can happen here in the city. Like, <laughs> I talked about like freezing up, and, and sometimes when I see Stevie around the rink and I talk to him, I'm like, Yeah, hey, how's it going? Like, I mean, I I grew up. That was one of the guys I loved yeah. watching, and and. Uh, every time I still get to see him now, it's oh, he's like, awesome, man. He's yeah, he's a really nice guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that next year and every year we make that a little bit of progress and, and get back to the, the glory days because I got trust. I them. want I want playoff hockey in Detroit. Yeah. I want to watch it. I want to feel the energy and be a part of it. The and, octopus on the ice and all. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. I'll, that's I'll like I'll the greatest tradition that there is. There's yeah. no what other hockey playoff tradition is better. I'm not asking you. You don't like <laughs> even if there was one. You know, Jamie. Uh-huh. But but there is. But I'm just taking my word for it. Yes, I'll and, take your word. For take it. Drew's word for yeah. it. Yes, there I mean, is no better playoff tradition. No. Throwing an octopus on the ice. No, no. And Al the Zamboni driver grabs it. And yeah, his, and then swings it around. Hey, yeah, his hand is. Yeah, his hand hockey. is never smelled. Okay, 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 good. Okay, good. So you're, 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 you're in agreement with it. That. Jamie. You're in agreement with it. There I, is I love, no better. Yeah. And that's the thing, man. It's like I don't know anything about baseball or football, you know. But I'll go to a game every season. Yeah. And we try to go to a handful of. Wings games because the family we're a hockey family. Uh, I just I just love I love the experience and that's that's For why sure. I love these stories that that you know Charles is sharing with me. Um, just just to experience yeah, it in the history some stuff out, and man. yeah, yeah it's I love bl- that's what, and that's why I thought it was so cool that you you've been on here is talking about the past. And then, you know, I was talking about the past and you bring it in like the, you know, the, the current, you know, talking yeah. about Red Wings fans and the thing now. I thought it was kind of a cool because we, because yeah, actually fun. this was the week that we're transitioning. You know, I mean, we might, we actually might go back to the Lions, but it was, we left off last week and I was like, I had it on the tip of my tongue. I'm like, I want to talk well, this about this December. I want to talk about the fact December 15th together. of all this stuff happened. I was like, le- leaving off last episode with like, it ended like this. And I'm like, and the city's yeah. coming alive and the fans are just, and, and, yeah. And, yeah. Know, and we appreciate people like you. Put yourself on the line, your shoulder, your yeah. knee, your face, you know. 
Uh, thanks for thanks for doing this. Like you're like you're in the military or something. Thanks for your service. Yeah. You know? yeah. But you know. But you it know. is important, man. This oh, is got, a, it's I part mean, of our culture you, you, you here. Get, you get paid for getting your butt kicked. Yeah, out but there, it's part but, of our culture. Uh, the Red Wings are it, man. Like that's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. I, I, you know, as as a, as a casual fan of sports, I I, I appreciate it. So, yeah. but I, uh, I just think for me, it was, a, it was such a pleasure to every time. Like I played eight years, like we said, but every single time I grabbed that jersey off the hook in my locker and put it on for a game, I was like, I was like, I was just like. Thank you. Every time. Because uh, to put on yeah. an NHL jersey was amazing. I've done I put on a couple different ones, but to put on the winged wheel. The winged wheel. <laughs> and put that jersey yeah. on and know the history that like you put it on, you look down and you're like, man. That I thing mean, is iconic. Ted Lindsay yeah. used to come in the locker room all the time. Uh, oh, did he? Yeah. Gordy used to come in the locker room a lot. My first three, four years there, he was in there a lot. So you're bumping elbows with these guys and you're looking down and like these these guys made this jersey yeah. amazing. I don't want to be I don't want to be someone that makes this jersey not as prestigious or whatever yeah. it is. You like, want to carry on that you legacy, you carry sure. it on. So it's like you put that on, and it's you're taking a lot on your yeah. on your shoulders and the team, and you want to be the best you can be for that jersey. And I think I had a I mean I had a blast wearing it. I, I love being a Red Wing. Uh, I still put it on for the alumni team, and yeah. uh, my line mates are Red Berenson. He's 80 years old, oh. and Dennis Hextall, he's 77. Nice. So I'm hanging out with these guys that I didn't watch them play, obviously, but, I mean, these are some some big names in the history. And then Darren McCarty's on the team. Um, Cicerelli comes around. Um, Larry Murphy. I mean, the list goes on. We even have Dave Coulier as an honorary. Oh, uh, do you really? Yeah, yeah he, man, he represented the, the winged wheel. And oh, they, yeah. Oh, and it was like, full was house. it Full House? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So yeah. We have, that was a, one of the number one shows, and he's got the winged wheel on main, yeah. Yeah, main yeah, Mickey Redmond's yep. out there. And yep. Mickey, Mickey's one of the, he's a great Red Wing. He wears number 20, so when I see him, he's always like, hey, 20, what's up? Hey. I'm like, not much 20, how you doing? Nice. So, yeah. It's uh, oh, you me. had Barry Sanders' number on the Red Wing. Yeah, so <laughs> that's all, that, yeah. that's the story. Yeah, so man, it's, I wish you would. I forgot. I didn't even know that. I, if we wish you had told that earlier, we would. That would have been the entire show. <laughs> number twenty <laughs> and the Red Wings. Barry Sanders' number on the Wings. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's just that's I mean, cool to be on the team and then to now play in the alumni team with with some of these great players and yeah. some of these guys that won a bunch of cups and um, to just be around the rink is something that I've loved my whole life. But to be around as a Red Wing in Detroit is awesome. Did you take that twenty because of Barry, or was it just that? I took twenty because that's what they gave me. Oh really? <laughs> I'm gonna say well, because twenty oh was God, your number. Yeah, but what yeah. a great I man! Was, that's you know that's Barry in Detroit yeah, having twenty. Yeah, twenty is a, a number. That's the have, number. Yeah. My God! I, I mean, mean yeah. but if you look at like Detroit, um, obviously Mickey Redmond wore it. Um, I didn't know Robitaille yeah, wore it. All right, Lapointe wore it. Who else wore it? Um, See, I know some of these names. Yeah, I mean, they, oh, Luke Robitaille, my God, yeah. I, mean, there's some I think he was number one overall pick in the year that Dyson was number three. Was yeah. that, yeah. my, so am I right on that? I, right. I think, I think, I think that was the case. Yeah, is he, he amazing? He would his, know. I think know? that's the case. I think Robert, Luke Robitaille was number one, and Eisenman was three in that draft. And that's what I'm saying. So that's you got that twenty. I mean, yeah, Robitaille so was just, amazing. Yeah, I know it's the same thing in Anaheim. I was number fifty-eight in preseason because I was just some young guy, and I come up and I'm in playing playoffs. And the coach was like, hey, Millsy, come here. And I'm like, hey, uh, what's up, coach? Uh, he's like, you're not wearing 58 in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're changing your number. I'm like, all right. He's like, what number do you want? 18 or I don't remember the other number. I'm like, 18 is all right. All right, 18. <laughs> so he was like, you're not wearing this on our team in the playoffs. And it was like 
And Why I not? Was, I don't understand. Why not? I don't know. He was just at the time. He was just like, "We're going to change your number." Oh, so, was it too just high? Now, it's or... like now guys wear these higher numbers and whatever. But he, yeah, like ninety nine. That was was that that was what fifty eight's like not a hockey number. Sixty eight yeah. was that was sixty eight uh, is yeah sixty eight was Yager yeah and then ninety nine wasn't that Lemieux? But no one wore who was ninety nine. No, Gretzky was 99. Gretzky now, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, my Dude. Gretzky, yeah, yeah. yeah. 90, that's what I'm saying. Like, if Gretzky's 99, people can't wear. Lemieux is 66. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Yager is 68. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, any team, that's any a number, stupid number. Just what? sign me. <laughs> if you could have had your choice for a number, what would it have been? Um, I wore nine growing up, but that's obviously not in Detroit. Yeah, and yeah. Then I wore 27 yeah. in college, and then when I was with Anaheim, 27 was Scott Niedermeyer. So I wasn't wearing that. He's yeah, a captain. Niedermeyer was sweet. Dude. So yeah, he um, was sick. Niedermeyer was awesome. I, hey, any number works for me. Any jersey. <laughs> yeah, but what, if you could have chosen? Locker, right? what if you could have chosen? Actually, no. I, I think like, twenty's awesome. I like twenty for 20's Detroit. Great. I like twenty. Oh my god! Yeah. I was hoping you were going to say yeah. that because twenty's awesome. Yeah. That's Barry. Now that you know, I like had it and Barry yeah, Sanders of the good. Red Wings type of thing. You know what I mean? Like that's well, it. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I don't think this body's running through <laughs> hey, many people. But <laughs> Jamie doesn't know you had him for a second. Yeah, Jamie you doesn't told know. Me anything, you could have told him you were the Barry Sanders. Like yeah. your game was the Barry Sanders of the Red Wings, and he would have just accepted that. He would have known that for the. Maybe some other people watching the show would have thought that. Yeah, you would have had me. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a little fish hook <laughs> No, but I will never forget that number now, actually, because like his yeah. twenty is like you know, as far as Detroit Lions, that's like sacrosanct. Yeah. You know, oh school is heartless. I didn't know that, that was I Wings. gave him a Drew Miller twenty jersey, and he's going to wear it for encores. With, yeah, with, yeah, yeah, uh, he does. He usually wear, throws a Wings jersey on. Yeah, for his so now he's going to wear mine. Nice for his encores. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> yeah, he, he said he was like, you was in your closet trying on like playoff jerseys. Oh and yeah. Crap. yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, had yeah. fun there a couple weeks ago. They were over drinking out of my mini Stanley Cup replica. <laughs> they had my. Stanley Cup ring on. Oh, nice. damn. Nice. Yeah, that was fun. So, uh, KIG, right? Yep. If people want to get a hold of you about insurance, if they're like, oh, hell, I need some insurance, why not talk to this guy? Yeah. Check, well, how- check us out. Getkig.com. So, okay. G-E-T-K-I-G.com. And, uh, right. yeah. We'll put I'm it on down there. in the- we'll find we'll my it- email and office number and all that. So, it's- uh, Cool. Yeah, yeah, we'll put it down in the comments. Thanks for coming in. I yeah, mean, no, it was a blast. Yeah, I, it was fun, uh, man. It's cool. I love uh, having a Modelo hanging out yeah. with you guys. <laughs> yeah, so I had to make a pit stop in the middle of the show. <laughs> yeah. You guys, while I was gone, you guys handled it well. You guys were like keeping the show going while I was getting making a quick drink. Yeah, I was like, oh crap, the dude with the information is leaving. <laughs> no, yeah. you guys, yeah, you guys had it good. You oh, had yeah. it fine. You oh, handled yeah. it without me. We got you. We're good. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Well, because normally Jamie would have to be handling it by himself in the yeah. show. He'd just be like, "Yeah, we're oh, just gonna try." I'm like, "Jamie, delay the delay, delay yeah. while I'm going to make another drink real quick." Yeah. But you guys handled. You know, Jay, he was glad to have you for that. But uh, we're gonna wrap it up because uh, you know more podcasts to do. We keep you all sure. night, but uh, you know that was awesome. Thank I, you. I had, a, I had a blast being yeah, on. Yeah, we want to uh, bring you back. You want to, you know, we, anytime. You want to bring us out to your thing? Open you door. Now you know where we live. Us. We, let's, yeah. Let's cross. Welcome. You know, you say like the. Uh, you know, cross reference or whatever. What's the word? The um, cross pollination. No, damn it, <laughs> Jamie, you screwed it yeah, up. Yeah, so we have the the where people like you meet networking, networking. Yeah, networking. There you are. yeah. fair play. Yeah, so we're networking. There you yeah. So you want us? You want to come back? We want we want to bring you back anytime. We you should have, have you on. We, we have we bring people on 
um, at intermission, and we do cool segments. Uh, bring me on anytime. So bring Jay. Yeah, talk about it, it's about that book this. is amazing. Yeah, that's, uh, I talk about that's what I like about the new arena. It's like it, it's a real respect for a lot of the old, and yeah. there's a lot of the old signage and a lot, sure. just a lot of vintage stuff. I, I just I love going through it, even more so than the Joe. I think the new the new arena I think really pays tribute to the things that have come before. For sure, yeah. Um, I and I'm it. and I may be the only one in Detroit that do. I have a I have a story. This has nothing to do with 19. 35, but the story of how Mike Illich bought the Detroit Red Wings. And it's a story that may have, it's never been written about. It's very few been talked about. It is a, it's, it's fascinating. And I heard it from the, from the inside source of how it actually happened. Uh Oh, but I, I may have, have to, to it there. It's a teaser. That's yeah, it. It's called you you got to come back and hear the, do I'm you know that you story? Show's over. Do you know the story? <laughs> I don't. Fair play. All right. Last yeah. time I tell Drew after the story's over. All I'm right. cool with him now. He's my All right, cool. friend. Yeah. So All right, cool. That'll do it for us. We'll be back. Video, uh, yeah. We'll be back next week with more Detroit city of champions.